Welcome to the week seven edition of the Northern Kentucky Football Show, a podcast that's not only here to promote the football teams and players in the area, but to add to the duties of the best TV sports director in the business, Joe Daneman, 1998 Cuffcath grad, dad of three, and Jeremy Ziegler, the best to come out of the city of Augusta since George Clooney. Three weeks left, men, and by this time next Sunday, all districts will be set, playoff picture will be complete. And depending on what happens in Independence on Friday, we could have a three-way tie in 6A. Dude, speaking of 6A, how about Ryle with the MC-like cold rack of party on Friday? I was really impressed with not only how they looked, but um, how they capitalized on Dixie's mistakes and made him pay for it. We got an interview with Coach Engler here in a little bit. Cuffcath with a sixth straight win over Highlands, locking up 5A. Holmes went to Cynthiana and defeated the mullet to lock down 4A. Walton Verona, Brossert, and Newport Catholic also will wear the district crown in their respective districts. The RPI standings have been updated. And got to say, still a little frustrated with the algorithm that determines these. Um, Basically, it is wins and losses and the opponent's wins and losses. That's how it's factored in. And I guess thinking about it, I don't know how the strength schedule could even play into it. I guess that's a little too much to ask for. But um, in 1A, Newport Central Catholic comes in at 2, Dayton at 9, Brossert at 12, Ludlow at 21, and Bellevue at 32. In 2A, Beachwood comes in at 8, Newport 15, Walton 16, Lloyd 23, and Holy Cross 31. In 4A, Holmes 6. We have an interview with Coach Nevels here in a little bit as well. And Scott at 35. And 5A, Covenant Catholic comes in at 5, Highlands 15, Connor 18, Cooper 31, Boone 38. And 6A, Dixie's at 10, Simon Kitten's at 11, Ryle is at 14, and Campbell's at 26. That's tight. And you think that Simon and Ryle got to play this week, and then Dixie got Campbell, so be a big shakeup there in 6A. Uh, on to the Week 6 games and what has been billed as the game. Covenant Catholic 42, Highlands nothing. Cuffcath continues their dominance over Northern Kentucky teams with a whipping in Park Hills on Friday night. Cuffcath would rush for 347 yards, and their defense held the Highlands running attack, which is averaging 148 yards a game to only 45 yards, something I'm sure Coach Everson and Coach Brown were really pleased with. Big night for senior Caleb Jacob, who ran the ball 10 times for 106 yards and two touchdowns but also threw for 99 yards and had an 11-yard touchdown pass to sophomore Garrett Benke, his first of the season. Caleb has now rushed for six touchdowns in five games and has eight passing touchdowns. Ryan Schneider ran the ball six times for 72 yards. Adam Holtz ran twice for 58 yards and a score. Owen Nally had 49 yards on the ground. Reed Hummel added 33, and junior Braden Collins scored his first touchdown of the year as well. Ethan Reardon caught six passes for 88 yards, giving him 19 catches and 279 yards on the year. Trevor Wilson led the Colonels with eight tackles and two sacks. Dallas Worth with six. Ben Dickhouse had six. Sam France had six and two tackles. Or, I'm sorry, two sacks. John Linehan had an interception for Covenant Catholic. Jake Daneman, only three tackles. I don't need to call him. The only time I heard his name on the broadcast, because my other nephew, Drew... Oh, there's the another? Games. 
Oh, yeah. Drew played there. Oh, he was oh, on the oh, state yeah, championship right. teams. Yeah. So okay. Drew calls the games with Paul Fritchner, who does the play-by-play. -play, and the only time I heard poor Jake's name call was for a pass interference. Well, I need to call Coach Brown and tell him it's the okay. coach. It's okay. It's his first time playing against Highlands. It was a big moment for him. <laughs> he made it. Sophomore quarterback Charlie Noon was 15-27 to 27 for 191 yards for Highlands and had uh, 53 rushing yards on 19 carries. Brennan Kelsey led the Bluebirds with six catches for 73 yards. Jake Welch caught two passes for 46 yards. Cuffcath led 14-0 at the half, but out-executed Highlands all night long, especially on third and fourth down. Highlands only converted three of 12 third down opportunities and were 0 for 5 on fourth down. Cuffcath completed 70% of their third down chances. Joe? Yeah, a couple of things, and I'm glad you started there because – you know, being around NFL coaches a lot, NFL coaches talk all the time about third down football, situational football. I mean, Cubcat is 7 of 10 on third down, and Highlands is 3 of 12 on third down. That, that's the difference right there, and 0 for 5 on fourth down. You and I were texting about this game on Friday night, and it seemed like Highlands was moving the ball from the 30 to the 30. And you can see in their total yardage, 242 isn't, isn't a terrible night for against one of the better teams in their class. So Highlands had almost 250 yards of offense, but no points because once they got towards the red zone-ish area, Covcast defense would clamp down and Highlands couldn't execute and get first downs and, and get points. The other takeaway from me, is this is kind of a statement here from Covcath, and it's weird to say that because we're talking about a team who won state last year who now has a 35-game regular season winning streak to, to make a statement because we thought Highlands was starting to close the gap a little bit maybe in this series yep. after losing five in a row to Covcath, but for 42 nothing running clock shutout, I'm not sure how many people saw that coming. I'm not sure anybody saw that coming, but I think that's a statement for Cuffcath on reaffirming their spot as not only the best 5A team in Northern Kentucky, but one of the best football teams, football programs in the entire state. You step back and you look at what Cuffcath's done, and I'm not running PR for Cuffcath here, but they're 49-1 and their last 50 games. Yeah. I mean, you look at those kinds of runs. Teams don't do that. 49-1 and is something that should be celebrated at Cuffcath because it's something... I, that's never been done at that school before. And then Caleb Jacob, it, him running the ball, him being a playmaker this year is, is a senior quarterback. And it's the first thing I noticed week one when they played Dixie, how it was his team this year. He just looked like he had come out of a shell with his personality a little bit with the team. And you can see that he feels more comfortable and maybe a little bit more onus on him to be a playmaker. I'm not sure the first two years he started at quarterback for Cubcath, he had six touchdowns running, and he has six touchdowns running just in five games this year. I think that is the growth you've seen from Caleb this year, more comfortable to make plays with his feet. Ryle, 44, Dixie, 14. The Raiders throw a major wrench into the 6A district race and in epic fashion, too. I got to see this game live. Dixie didn't seem like the same team who'd faced Simon Kenton last week, and to be honest with you, Ryle took full advantage of it first quarter of this game was altogether forgettable after three Dixie turnovers and several Ryle punts, but after Dixie's third fumble of the quarter, Ryle became woke. Braden Lyons, man, drove this team down the field and found Will Watkins for a nine-yard touchdown pass. Dixie would answer, though, on a 14-play drive that ended in Logan Landers' quarterback sneak and a tie game. However, Ryle would then start the show. Nine plays later, Lucas Kohlmeyer from, from the one touchdown. Dixie, three and out. Ryle, four plays. Lions to Matthias Cusick, 16-yard touchdown, 20-7. to After another Dixie punt, 40-yard dime from Lions to Caden Gardner. As the horn sounded, it was 27-7 at the half. I'm going to tell you something. 
These two quarterbacks played really well in this game. We'll go over these stats here in a second, but it was really nice to watch two really good quarterbacks kind of go head-to-head in a big game. You know, Dixie could have wrapped up. Now Rouse in the driver's seat. And we've seen, and we've talked about it, Caleb and Cam mm-hmm. right there on Dixie mm-hmm. Highway. You know, we're talking about maybe the next level of quarterbacks that are coming through. Braden Lyons, Logan Landers, both juniors, I believe. Those two next year might yeah. be the two seniors we talk yeah. about. I believe they're both I juniors. Think, I think Lyons might be a senior. Lyons might be a mm-hmm. senior. Either way, he's developing right now, and we're seeing to this point that there are more great quarterbacks in Northern Kentucky, of yeah. course, the sophomore out of Simon Kenton. Even even the young man here at Scott, I mean, Gus Allen's putting up big yeah, numbers. He's leading the he's leading the area. Well, in quarterback yardage. play here has been really impressive in Northern Kentucky, and I think we saw that two quarterbacks in this Ryle Dixie game that could help their teams win games. At the but playoffs. also goes it also goes to say that in all the one on ones we do when we talk about training, the training is just better yeah. than when we were kids. It is so these skill kids. They're working all year long on this craft, and they almost have to. In a way, if they want to go on and play college football, this is their passion. They're going to have to. First possession of the third quarter, Lions completes five passes to lead the posse down the field. And um, Lucas Colmeyer ran it in from five yards out, and it was 34-7. to Landers had another great touchdown pass to Devin Holbert for 32 yards mid-third, but that would be all. Following the score, Ryle would march right back down the field, and Braden Lyons ran it in from two yards out to get in on the action. Ryle was up 41-14. Franklin Rogers would kick a 40-yard field goal in the fourth to finalize the score, and Ryle would win at home in Union. Now, here's the deal. This game was won by the Ryle defensive front as well as their offensive line. And I saw an article that I believe it was on the Enquirer, and Coach Engler had mentioned the offensive defense line. And it was pretty obvious just watching the game that those kids were wholly dominant. You know, Dixie has been winning because of their run game. And they have a defense that has two-way players on it. One thing is certain. When kids are playing happy, they play really well. When one thing doesn't go well, neither go really well. Uh, Ryle held Dixie's Pierce Coleman to 24 yards, and he's averaging 95 a game. They totally dominated the line of scrimmage, and Dixie's six turnovers are what doomed them in this game, man. Now, Logan Landers had a big night. I talked about it before, throwing the ball. 23 of 30 for 286 yards, and the touchdown pass to Holbert. He did have two interceptions. One wasn't his fault. On a tip ball, defender just made a good play. And the second one was in the third quarter, and the game was already out of hand. He did take several sacks and had a fumble in the first quarter. On a, It looked like a bad snap that he never really got control of, and but it was near the Ryle goal line. So, you know, Ryle was able to get that and go down the other way. Braden Lyons, who was 17-32 to 32 for 229 yards, threw three touchdown passes, and had the advantage of 10 empty Dixie possessions. Ryle's defense played really well, and – their offense just executed like an experienced team in a massive game. Hats off to them. You know what? If they can get a win against Simon, they'll be the one seed, and they'll play Campbell at home in week one of the playoffs. But on the other hand, Dixie needs to lick their wounds, be ready to play against Campbell, because I'm going to tell you, that, that won't be easy either. And that's the thing we've been talking about. This 6A, this whole year, we've been seeing them jockey. Who we think is the best 6A team in Northern Kentucky? And it's been this round robin of three teams. It's been Dixie sometimes. It's been... Simon Kenton at some point, maybe now Ryle steps up and says, hey, throw our hat in the ring a little bit. But what I think you're starting to see is this Ryle football team look really comfortable. And I don't want to beat this dead horse like Tom Hagen just rolled through, but you're seeing a team that has gotten better, who has improved, and who looks like they now have an identity. And that identity runs through Braden Lyons. Was it shotgun and slinging it when you were there on Friday night? Because that's what I saw the week before when they played Campbell County. Yes, and, and here's the thing. Ryle always has this dude in the backfield, more or less Cusick the other night, and it seems like it's been when I was looking at the stats. But here's the other thing. They've always got seven, 
eight, nine skill dudes mm-hmm. that show up in the stats for this team. But you play the pass, and then, boom, he gets it. He's running for 10 here, 12 there, eight here. Trying to keep everybody honest. And think about if you're Mike Engler, and now you have a team that won by 14 against yeah. Campbell County, won by 30 against Dixie, and yeah. here we go to the stretch run. I wonder if he's starting to feel like, oh, these guys are starting to believe, starting to feel something special here and go on a run here at the end of the year. I had a chance to catch up with Coach Engler, and here is that conversation. Ryle football coach Mike Engler, whose Raiders had a monster night on Friday, beating Dixie 44-14. to Coach, congrats on the win, and thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you very much. You played a, Oh, thank you. You played a tough non-district schedule prior to starting district play. What did you learn about this group of kids in general in those games that is now playing out for you guys? Anytime you play a tough schedule, it's going to, it's, you're going to learn a lot. This year, even more because we didn't have a summer, we didn't have a spring, mm-hmm. we didn't have a we, we didn't have a preseason. Yeah, you know, we had no scrimmages, so we <laughs> we went into the season. Uh, well, first of all, we probably lost one of the best running backs in Northern Kentucky. It's Connor Lee. He mm-hmm. tore his ACL during the summer. And so we went into the season thinking, okay, we've based our offense a little bit around the corner, and we're going to do this, this, and this, and then all of a sudden we lose him. And it's like, okay, wh- what type of team do we have? Who do we have? We are very young. Uh, actually, the other night, we started three sophomores in our secondary. That's awesome. And, uh, and so with us being such a young football team, and even with our quarterback who's is playing awesome right now. Uh, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in, in Northern Kentucky and with Braden Lyons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he started off the season last year as our starter and got hurt in the fourth game. Well, when he was our starter, we were three and one, only lost was the Tough Cat, and we were playing lights out. He gets hurt, and then, you know, kind of, you know, when you lose a starting quarterback for the season, it kind of hurts you a little bit. And we got him back this year. And, He's just now starting to come into his own. He's just now starting to to uh, figure it out. Uh, even though he's a senior, experience wise, he's really uh, you know still a young young player uh, in the sense that he didn't have last year. You know, he missed almost the entire season. So with that, uh, things are coming along pretty well. Good, and we've learned who he is. We've learned we've found our identity after we lost to uh, Beachwood uh, in a game that. You know, we just killed ourselves. In Highlands game, we killed ourselves with turnovers. Uh, even the Scott County game, we had Scott County beat. Uh, we had a chance to go up 11 in the fourth quarter, and we fumbled the ball on the uh, six-yard line, about ready to go in the score. If we score, we're up 11, you know, in the fourth quarter. Well, I, I believe we're going to win the football game. Uh, and so I think our kids, after the Beachwood game, we talked and we said, you know, we brought it all in and we're like, you know, I don't think we've found our identity yet. We need to we need to really find out who we are and what makes us successful. Mm-hmm. And we went and played Scott County and we played I mean we played I mean Scott County's got a great football team. Yes, they do. And and we should have beaten them. I mean, we beat them all over the field and they ended up winning the football game in the end because of a mistake. But our kids if, if, if you ever believe in moral loss in a moral victory and a loss, that Scott County game was a moral victory in the sense that they played a great football team and figured out that, hey, wait a minute, we're a good football team. We could we could play with these guys. Yeah. And uh, I think that game, even though losing, turned our season around. And 
has put us on the right track. And then we came out and played a, a very good, much improved Campbell County game team uh, and held them to seven points. And then we played lights out the other night. And I think the momentum hopefully just keeps on going. You're an offensive guy. And, and this is what I love about this team. It's not just one or two dudes getting it done. Every time you look at the stats, they're eight or nine skill kids that are just getting the job done, which uh, it makes you tough to defend. Now, let me ask you this. Right. Is this, is this the vision of a team that you had in mind when you took this job? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think anytime you could throw the ball, and if you throw it to, you know, we have, we have four or five guys that are catching the ball, not one. Uh, and I think that makes us, you know, tough to defend. And even helps our running game because if we could throw the ball and be successful, that's just going to open up inside because you can't put seven or eight in the box. And um, if if we could spread you out, uh, that's going to give us a great opportunity even to run the ball uh, and be success, successful at that. Uh, I think even on the season, you'll probably – I haven't looked at the stats this week, um, and but – we're probably averaging, you know, six, seven yards per run. Yeah. Um, I think Matthias Cusick's done start. He, did, he wasn't our starting running back at the start of the year, but the last three or four games, like I think against Camel County, he had like 11 rushes for like 40 some yards, which is, which is not bad. Uh, considering he's also playing full-time defense yes. as well. Um, but he's catching the ball. Uh, like he, he's averaging probably three or four catches a game out of the backfield. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it's great to have that opportunity, you know, that being able to spread it out to many different players. But you know, I, I tell you, we're the ones that are not getting the credit though is our offensive of line. Offensive line, I have that. Because that's off. my next question. There, I, here's what I have. You know, Friday night, the offensive defensive line they just played their hearts out, and honestly, to me, they were the difference in the game. How important will it be this week to challenge them? Once again, hey, we need a great week of prep. We need to duplicate that performance we had on the last few weeks against a Simon Kitten team that can also be dangerous. Well, first of all, all the lateral that one here not. but we returned we three of those guys were sophomore starters last year. So we're very we're experienced up front and the the cool thing about it is four of those guys will be back again next year. So we're That's pretty awesome. excited about that. Um but they just work hard, and and I think sometimes you take those young players, and we've had to put so so much in so quick that I don't think they've had time to really sit and think about it. Yeah, and they just go out and perform. They just go out and perform, and now that they're getting confidence in that, you know, offense and defensive line. Now, the defensive line has has uh, several. Uh, our two defensive tackles are seniors, uh, but our defensive ends are are both juniors, and so they're just getting confidence, and you know. They're just gaining it by the day, uh, and when young players start start gaining that confidence, you know the sky's the limit. Confidence uh, is everything. Confidence is just oh, so yeah. critical with kids this age. And and you talked about Braden Lyons. You know he's now thrown for eleven hundred and fifty yards on the year, ten touchdowns. And you mentioned it's a season where well, that was even before. Yeah, that and, was before the other night. And then the in in a season where the months leading up to it, like you talked to you were had limited ability to get reps. Let, let me ask you this about him since you're around him. What, what is the ceiling for this kid? You know, he, he's just gaining confidence. I mean, he, he knows that he could do it. He knows he has ability, but the best thing about Brayton is he is very coachable. 
and he is uh, like when it comes to going through his reads and talking pre snap reads. You know, like the other night, he may have missed a throw, but he he got almost every read correct. Yes, you're right. Like he, you know, he if I go back and I think about uh, and what he was doing early, and we end up as the game went on, he was gripping the ball too tight because it was cold. Yeah, and he was dropping. It was so we, coming in so, short. Yeah. Yeah, so we loosened his grip up uh, after the first couple of series, and he threw the ball great the rest of the night once we told him, once we began to loosen his grip up. But that's the thing is he was able to take that coaching and not get frustrated and was able to step right back in there and just, you know, hang and keep throwing. And the thing I like about Brayden, he has no favorites. In other words, we threw a pass to uh, Jamison Smith that turned that went through his hand, it came so fast to me, went through his hand, came in the face mask, bounced off his face mask uh, onto the ground. And the yeah. very next play, he came back and threw it back to him. Yeah. You know, how many quarterbacks would, would be like, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to throw right back to this guy the yeah. next play after he just dropped one. And that's what I like about Brayden. He has no favorites. And so he, just, he goes through his reads, and if you're open, and that's what we tell you to do, that's what he's going to do. I love it. And, uh, like, he, he had one the other night um, – like their their end was crashing hard, and so I said, I said we were running zone, and I said, hey, look at that end. If he turns his shoulders the next time, pull and keep it. And he did exactly what we told him to do. He pulled and kept it. Number um, the defensive end actually tackled the line and didn't even know Braden had kept it, and he runs down and gets tackled on the you know like one or two yard line and stuff. So you know, just little things like that is making him he's just getting better and better and better every week. And talking about defense here. You know, your defense is led by an absolute monster in junior Gabe Savage. And also oh, yeah. this do-everything player with Matthias Cusick. And this kid, Ryle always has those players that do everything. They're speedsters in the back, you know, or, or speedy skill guys. They play defense. You know, as coaches, we ask a lot from our kids. It's it's our job. You know, what is it about this defensive group that's really starting to click at the right time? You know, I think they've taken on the personality of their, uh, well, actually the entire defensive staff in a sense, but our defense coordinator, uh, uh, Scotty Gray, and I think they've kind of taken on a little bit of his personality and they, they're just enthusiastic about playing. Mm-hmm. They just love playing together. They, uh, they love sitting and filming together. They love just cutting up together. They love learning the game and they're young. So they want to graph. They ask questions. They, you know, like one time the other night, we looked out there and you had Matthias in the secondary, but then the other three guys were sophomores. Uh, and so those sophomores are still learning, but they're so talented that, you know, they're, they're just going to make us that much better down the road. And, and Gabe and Matthias are just great leaders. They talk, um, you know, they talk amongst each other, they, they communicate. And I think just those little things uh, is sometimes you don't get that out of defense yeah. or you don't get that out of players because they don't want to talk to each other. And these guys are starting to do that. And Gabe, I mean, this guy's the limit for this. Wow. Guy. He's an animal. The fact that he's only a junior, fact that he's only a junior um, is I, I personally think he might be the best linebacker in the state of Kentucky. He could be. Uh, I mean, yeah. And uh, he's already, he's starting to get attention. Like I talked to uh, some of the academies the other day about him. Cause he's like, to me, he's the perfect, academy kid like mm-hmm. West Point Navy all that uh, because that's the type of size they look for the type of speed they look for and um, he's you know I, I can't say enough about his work ethic and what he does 
Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time away from the family here on Sunday. Really wishing you guys luck this week. I hope you have a good week and you stay healthy. Oh, thank you very much. Should be a great game. It's uh, going to be. Marksbury does a great job. <laughs> yep. So I think it'll be it'll be must see TV. Hey, I look forward to it. Newport Catholic thirty four, Dayton six. Newport Central Catholic locks up one A on the road at OW Davis Field in D Town. Joey Runyon ran fourteen times for hundred yards and had touchdown runs of twenty nine and five. Buddy Atkins ran the ball eight times for forty three yards and scored the first Newcath touchdown on an eight yard run. Senior quarterback Malachi Hernan was 8 of 15 for 71 yards and had a touchdown pass to Preston Baggett in the second quarter to make it 13 to nothing. Herndon had a 14-yard touchdown run in the third to put Newcath up 20 to nothing. Dayton's Trey Matthews led the Devil ground attack with 68 yards, including the lone Dayton touchdown near the end of the third quarter. Nolan Brooks threw for 55 yards and ran for 23. Chris Baker caught two balls for 55 yards. Eric Jimenez had five tackles and two sacks for Dayton. Braden Comstock and Isaiah Lovins had four and a half tackles, and Trey Matthews had four. Brian Lewis returned four kicks for 66 yards in this one. Newcath was led defensively by Jack Green, who had nine tackles. Quentin Gilliam had five and a half. Herndon, Dom Morgan, and an unnamed player had three and a half. There's, there was a number, but there was no name on it. Newport Catholic moves to 5-0 in the season, and Dayton takes their first loss. Newcast's final district opponent is Bellevue, who is winless, so they will now be the one seed in the postseason and will await the final games to see where the RPI puts them for a home playoff game. Dayton will now face off against Ludlow and need to find a way to rebound from that loss to secure not only the two seed in the district, but first-round playoff game. One thought from me on each team, and you look at Newcast here and you see it in the stats, this team is going to go as far as Runyon, Atkins, Herndon. Those are the three ones. Mm -hmm. They had all 35 carries, those three together. 35 times Newcath ran the ball in this game, and those three ran it all 35 times. So it seems like every week they're relying on those guys to make the plays offensively. Newcath's defense obviously lights out only 126 total yards allowed in this game. But for Dayton now, and they came into this game ranked top 10 in the AP poll in Class A with a 5-0 record. I think the schedule now gets interesting. Because we, I think most people expected Newcath to win this game, and Newcath won this game. But here comes Dayton. The final three, Ludlow, Carroll County, Brossard. I think we're going to find out how for real Dayton is. That mm-hmm. five one record looks great, but here we go with Ludlow, Carroll County, Brossard. I, I like those matchups, and I think it's going to tell us a lot about Dayton. Beachwood, 49, Lloyd, 0. And a score that surprised me a little bit, but not Beachwood's Cameron Hergen. He don't surprise anybody. He was 13 of 15 for 221 yards and threw three touchdown passes to move Beachwood to four and two on, on the year and unbeaten in two-way district play heading into Newport. Hergett also ran for 21 yards on three attempts and had rushing touchdown his fifth of the year. Parker Mason continues to play well. He caught five passes for 101 yards and had a touchdown catch. Mitch Berger had four receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown his third of the year. Mitchell also had a rushing touchdown his third as well. And an interception in this game. See, he is the best burger. I mean, six touches and two touchdowns also gets an interception. He's a sophomore. Those burgers, man. He gets it from his mom, I think. <laughs> Avery Courtney ran the ball twice for 39 yards and a touchdown and also had a 38-yard reception. Artie Steinmetz had a 10-yard touchdown catch, his first varsity touchdown. That was pretty cool. Greg Huggett put a put the clip out on uh, Facebook. It was really cool. It seemed like Cameron and, and Artie, they work out during the summer. It was it was nice to see him catch that ball. 
Um, Nicholas Stacked had two sacks on defense. Tanner Schultz also had an interception. Colin Grayman kicked seven extra points on Friday, giving him 31 points on the season. Lloyd was led offensively by Ethan Spalding, who ran for 65 yards and had 16 receiving yards. Jake Davidson was 6 of 13 for 36 yards and rushed for 35. Tough night for the Jugs. Yeah, tough night for the Jugs. Um, you, you mentioned, and you said this during the show last week, you thought Lloyd might be able to um, push Beachwood mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe make this a second half game. Maybe make it a second yeah. half game that sure. it was something uh, still in the doubt in the second half. But uh, Beachwood, again, flexing their muscles. And again, we keep talking about Beachwood's ranking. In Class 2, I know you did the RPI, but in 2A, in the AP poll, again, they're still ranked number 5. Somerset right now is unanimous number 1. Boy, I'd like to see Somerset's football team at Beachwood's number 5, and they're unanimous number 1. Somerset's got the kid that's going to UK. So that makes a difference. Yeah. So I think obviously, he's the quarterback, right? And they just lost last week, Lexington Christian, number 1 and 2 in that district in the state, really. That's true. We got so them a on Friday night. So a shakeup, perhaps. And again, we've said it all along, that there are four teams better in Class 2A than Beachwood. We'd like to see them. So... Uh, Beachwood has the Newport game next week before the showdown with Newcath. Really looking forward to that one. That's always the best small school game in Northern mm-hmm. Kentucky every year when Beachwood and Newcath get together. That's the one I'm really looking forward to. Ludlow, 54, Bellevue, 8. The tapouts with a nice win in Bellevue on Friday, albeit on the back of junior running back Braxton Newborn. Dude, oh. this kid. He rushed for 345 yards and five touchdowns, including touchdown runs of 97 and 94 this guy's amazing, man. Texted with Coach Staphouse, and he said that he had an off night. <laughs> <laughs> that puts him just under 1,200 yards with 18 touchdowns on the season, leading the area. The kid who just continues to pump out numbers, you know, regardless of the opponent, he finds a way to will his team to a much-needed victory. They needed this win. I realize that Bellevue is winless, but you are going against what's in front of you. Yep. So you show up and do Austin Daniels threw for 152 yards and had touchdown passes of 72 yards to Brogan O'Brien and had a 35-yard touchdown pass to Nick Tackett. Tackett also had a rushing touchdown in this game. Noah Hoffmeister had two catchers for 45 yards and a fumble recovery. Newborn and Tackett led the tap-out defense with 10 tackles, and four of Nick Tackett's were for a loss. Brogan O'Brien had nine tackles and four interceptions and dropped the fifth to break a school record. That's all coaching. Also had a 72-yard touchdown catch. Yeah. So we know he can catch. I mean, he mm-hmm. caught everything else. Well, hey. That would have been cool to get a school record. It would have been cool. So I guess the school record he would have broken it. Does that mean he's tied for the school record? I, I'm assuming picks? yes. Yeah. Assuming yes. There you go. Jalen Bridges had eight tackles. Bellevue's Colton Hissong ran for 73 yards and scored the Tigers' only touchdown. Logan Allen added the two-point conversion. Hissong was only 3 of 14 passing for 38 yards and threw five interceptions, almost six. <laughs> Bellevue's still looking for their first win, and with Newcath, Holmes, and Lloyd again coming up, it uh, might be dope to find those. Braxton Newborn's numbers are absurd. Yeah. He averaged 38 yards per carry in this game. <laughs> Coach told us he had two touchdowns over 90 yards, 194, 197, and just... His per-game totals, the, these are the six games. These are his rushing yards in the six games. 164, 220, 202, 105, 155, 345. That kid is putting up ridiculous numbers. He's averaging just about 200 yards a game and three touchdowns. And you're right. 
he's done it not only against Bellevue, who he had a monster game against, but he's done it against really good competition otherwise. So it's almost like no matter who you put him in front of, he is putting up numbers. I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I don't know how old you have to be to get into the Ludlow Tavern. But the, the young man, what well, the Buffalo Bar? The Buffalo Bar. Yeah. Whenever he's old enough, he eats for free for life at the Buffalo Bar. Braxton Newborn. Braxton Newborn's only a junior. Man. He had 784 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns last year. And not to mention a team so high 10 tackles and yeah. two tackles for loss. I mean, he's doing everything. Yeah. So that's 28 touchdowns and basically 2,000 yards in the last 14 months. Yeah. This kid's incredible. Man. Bishop Brosser, 27. Paris, 6. It's four wins in a row for the Mustangs, who now have swept their district and will get to host a home playoff games in the first couple rounds, depending on a victory in round one. Brossert was led in this one by junior quarterback Jacob Light. Talk about him. Ran the ball yeah. 28 times for 227 yards and a touchdown, which is funny because it's normally our man Shadler running the ball. Yep. Um, Jake also threw touchdown passes to Carson Shermer, the senior rookie, and David Govan. Uh, Shadler ran nine times for 69 yards and a score as well. Uh, Eli Tweehues had nine tackles on D. Jed Martin with eight. Shermer with seven. Carson Shermer, for being a first-year guy, this cat is getting stats every week. Every week. He must be loving it. He pops every week Maybe on the stat he'll sheet. Maybe really like this in a football <laughs> school will offer him a scholarship and he won't play basketball i mean you got to think at this point right, if he's coming out and <laughs> I mean, putting up these kinds else. of numbers maybe somebody sees some untapped potential oh, there the next he is level. a really good athlete he seems like a really good kid too i actually saw somebody on bluegrass preps complaining that uh they kept handing the ball off and kept giving it to light like well, what, what's what the are problem you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do pass the ball right yeah, who knows about that um by the way by the way jake light had Five tackles on defense. Why Why is he playing defense? <laughs> Do we need to call Coach Wiggins right now? Devin McCormick and Jake Kramer had six tackles. Shadler also had five tackles. Congrats to Coach and his crew, not only on this win, but winning the district. That's really good, man. Lots to build on there. And uh, they had to Sayer this week. Ooh. So this will be the third North Kentucky team that uh, yeah. plays Sayer. The Penningtons. Chad Pennington and his son. Last check, they were undefeated last time I saw mm, Sayer was so. undefeated. They got a good team. But here's Brossard now, four straight wins. You know, they, they were one of those teams, and you like to say it, come on. We were come talking on. about it after the first couple of weeks. They came out with a couple of losses, but here they are now with four straight wins. And, you know, we talk about Jake Light and Trevor Shadler. Their, their defense now, three of the last four, holding opponents to single digits. So, yeah, we're talking about an offense that has kind of found its identity with Jacob running the ball. Um, you know, 28 times in this game. That's a huge number. But also the defense really stepping up and playing great football, setting up Brossert now to look good in the second half of the year. Cooper, 28, Boone County, 8. Cooper picks up their second win on the season with big nights from Eric Wright, who ran for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Jeremiah Lee, who ran for 110 yards and a touchdown. Lee also threw for 91 yards, including a touchdown pass to Eli White, who caught two passes for 63 yards. Xavier Smith had two catches for 28 yards. Chester Hale had seven and a half tackles on defense. Alec McEachern had seven. Eric Wright with six and a half. Brendan Ty with five and a half. Jake Harmeyer and Earl Knuckles each had four and a half. That's your boy. E. Knuckles. Boone County's Jeremiah Williams rushed for 83 yards, and Richard West ran for 75 yards and a touchdown. West also threw for 73 yards, including five catches for Jeremiah Williams, who ended the night with 28 receiving yards. Blake Hessling had six tackles for Boone, and Jalen Huntley had five. It's the final home game 
of the year for Boone and the final time a game we played on natural grass in the long and storied history of that program. Boone's Field will now undergo renovations, which will include, include a turf field and upgraded track. Lots of memories on the old field for guys like Bryson Warner and some of the dudes on his staff. Hopefully a new facility will be met with a new and glorious memories in the future for them. So Cooper, they've won two of three, mm-hmm. and that one loss was a one-score game against Connor. So obviously Cooper has settled in on Jeremiah Lee playing quarterback, and they seem like they're playing better football now with that kind of settled that position. Uh, so Jeremiah, obviously we know how dynamic of an athlete oh, yeah. he is. He's putting up big numbers again in this game. But but here we go with Cooper now. You talk about the next three, now that they've kind of put a better foot forward, Highlands, Ryle, Dixie the next three for Cooper. So can they take what they've done well the last couple of weeks? And even even that loss to Connor, I thought they played a better game. Now they got a bit of a gauntlet here, the final yes. three against Highlands, Ryle, and Dixie. So we'll see what they can come up with in those three games. Boone County, they, they play Winless Valley before they play Campbell County and Walton Verona. So maybe one more chance now against Valley to get another win for Coach Warner uh, before they hit Campbell County and Walton Verona at the end of the year. Simon Kenton, 41. Campbell County, 34. Simon Kenton holds off a late rally from the Wolves to move to 3-3 three and three on the year, while Campbell County falls to 2-4. and four. The Pioneers were led by sophomore Chase Crone, who was 18-35 to 35 for 322 yards and four touchdown passes. I'm sure he'd like to have some of those incompletions back, but 322 yards and four touchdown passes is great. Chase also ran for 68 yards Friday night. Jane Lawson ran for 91 yards and had a two-yard touchdown run in the second quarter. Trey Little had a big night for the Pioneers. Eight catches, 190 yards, and three touchdowns, including touchdown receptions of 66 yards and 43 yards. Marcus Courtney had three catches for 66 yards and had a 31-yard touchdown catch. Luke Morrison caught four balls for 49 yards. Campbell County snapped their offensive funk from last week with 34 points being the highest total they've had in a single game this year. Justin Little was 17-38 for 235 yards and three touchdowns. Crosley Gray ran the ball 17 times for 73 yards, including a 32-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. Preston Agee with an 11-yard touchdown catch in the second quarter. However, down 27-13 going in the fourth, the Wolves kicked it off with a little to Davy 28-yard touchdown pass to cut the Simon Kenton lead to seven. Simon Kenton would answer with Little's 43-yard touchdown pass from Crone. Campbell would drive the ball from their 15 into Simon Kenton territory before Little was intercepted by Nate Walker, the fridge. That pick would set up a Marcus Courtney 31-yard touchdown pass from Crone, and Simon Kenton led 41-20. Campbell then put together a 10-play drive that ended in a Preston AG touchdown catch, his second, to make it 41-27. Campbell added another touchdown catch to AG, who finished the game with uh, 114 receiving yards. Krause Gray led the running backs with 80. Caden Morrency and Sam Sprinkle had six tackles for Campbell's defense. Preston Agee added five. Derek Menning and Max Ellsburn each had four. Simon Kenton, now back to winning ways, has big week of prep coming up. As they host Ryle, if they can pull out a win, there'll be a three-way tie for first place. The tiebreaker is weird, and here's the unscientific tiebreaker that we've been talking about around here, and we talked about it earlier in the show, is the Class 6A kind of jumbled mess of who's the best 6A team here in Northern Kentucky. We're going to find out next week. Again, here comes another challenger, Ryle, who has put a good foot forward. They play Simon Kenton next week. So it's it's been fun to watch these teams kind of go back and forth a little bit. I'm sure the coaches in 6A haven't enjoyed seeing their teams kind of ride this roller coaster. We've seen them all. They've all ridden a roller coaster this year. Simon Kenton has won, and they lost three in the row. Now they're back at it. Campbell County has gone 
each time win lose two yeah. win yeah. lose two so it's been a roller coaster for them we've seen ryle now start to assert themselves a little bit we saw dixie have that nice stretch i don't know if we even know here now with only three games left in the season who the best team is around here in the big schools in 6a besides kenton's final three have you looked at their final three games i have not ryle which is going to be a big, yeah. a big game then they play cuffcath and they play Brian Station, who was five and one so far this year. So Jeff Marksbury loaded this schedule up this year, and it's going to be a really, really tough finish to the season. But again, we see big offensive numbers for Simon Kenton, five hundred plus yards uh, of total offense, and Chase Crone again, a young man who was really putting up big numbers. And uh, it's, it's it's good to see Simon Kenton snap that three game losing streak, the first three game losing streak they had in nine years. And in order for it to be a three way tie, Dixie would have to beat Campbell. There's still that as well. Which is very, very well could happen. Absolutely. Well, you never know. Yeah. The way things are going there. This game came down there to the almost the end. Yeah. So who knows? Holmes, 30. Harrison County, 14. Big win for the Holmes Bulldogs as they wrap up Class 4A. In the first quarter, take Callaway had a 34-yard touchdown run with a Curtis Hill run for the two points. Eight to nothing, Holmes. In the second quarter, Tay Holloway again. 18-yard touchdown run with a... Tess Callaway conversion made it 16 to nothing. It was 16 to 8 at the half, and Harrison County cut it to 16 14 on a touchdown path on fourth and long. Holmes would answer with a Tess Callaway two yard touchdown run to make it 22 to 14. In the fourth quarter, play of the game, Holmes up 22 14. Harrison County on the move early in the fourth. Third and long, defensive tackle Mike Hall intercepts a pass, second week in a row, big night from him. He rambles and breaks a handful of tackles and goes 75 yards to the house to put the dogs up two scores in the fourth quarter. Tess Calloway put the conversion to make it 30-14, to 14, and the dogs escape Cynthiana with a win in the one seed. For the second straight year, they ran for 255 yards. Tess Calloway had 33, Tay Calloway had 93, Curtez Hill 81, and Morion Arnold with 48. Holmes forced three turnovers on defense. Got a chance to speak with Coach Nevels about the win on Friday and the run the Bulldogs are on, and here is that interview. Holmes football coach Ben Nevels, whose team is now 4-2 and two, and has wrapped up the one seed in District 6 for the second straight year. Coach, congrats on the win Friday. I appreciate it. Really appreciate it. You know, we talked a lot in the earlier shows on how it took some time for offenses to find their rhythm due to the weird offseason and the COVID restrictions in the preseason. Do you feel like your kids are starting to find their flow and gaining confidence offensively? Uh, yes, I, I can see it. I don't, I don't know that I was worried about uh, being disrupted because we had so many guys that are used to playing with each other. I mean, mm-hmm. you really can't get closer than having your brother right there. I agree. The <laughs> and then you've got uh, a group of kids uh, uh, that have played with each other for, for several years now. So we we do what we do. Everybody knows what we're going to do. We don't try to hide it. So I think that helped us out. But definitely, it took a little bit of time to get uh, our footing underneath ourselves. Joe Daneman has been talking about your defense a lot in these last few shows. You've gone on the road the last two weeks and played in tough places to get wins. You know how proud are you of this defensive bunch for what they've been able to do? I, I love it. I mean, love it, love it, love it. I'm a defensive guy by trade, and that's that's, uh, that's my baby. So for us to be able to go, and heck, I'm, I'm kicked off that we gave up 14 points. I'm still trying to see if we can get some back. 
(laughs) The guys have done a great job of adopting that attitude of, you know, we're on the field, we're going to hit you in the mouth, Mm -hmm. and we're going to do everything we can to keep you out of the end zone. And if you get in the end zone, you're going to pay for it. So it's been really, really special so far, and I just hope we can keep it rolling. How about Mike Hill, man? Two weeks in a row, big plays on D, stepping up. <laughs> Michael Hall is hilarious. I mean, he's a kid. Uh, started playing middle school ball for us in seventh grade, and it's been a, a blessing just to see him develop as mm-hmm. a young man, not only as a football player, but also as a person. But <laughs> if anybody could see, hopefully there's no video that, shows the sideline of this past week when <laughs> he got interception. We've got a bunch of old ex-athlete coaches who are so excited, me being probably the loudest, and he's running and I'm trying to keep up with him. I've got a bad knee on one side, bad back on the other, so I'm lifting and hopping and run, but still running with it. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. David Hartman <laughs> said that he went 75 yards to the house and he was just <laughs> rumbling and stumbling and <laughs> yeah. brushing dudes off. Oh, man, it was, it was funny part is Hartman probably could have kept up with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I don't think people here realize how difficult it is to go into a place like Boyd County and get a win, Harrison County and get a, I know how hard it is to win in Harrison County. You know, on top of that, like Harrison County, they're so big up front and they've just got monsters in the backfield. I mean, you you know, you're a defensive guy. It's probably something that you looked at on film, talked about during the week, and the fact that the kids just went out and executed it and knew, hey, man, we win this game and we're going to be hosting first round of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh... – Beautiful piece. I hadn't been to Boyd County since I was in eighth grade. Wow. So I was, uh, when Simon Kitten got their first ever playoff victory, I was in eighth grade. My brother was a sophomore on mm-hmm. the team. And that was the last memory I had of going to Boyd County. Their stadium was across the street from where it is now. Outside of that, we go to Harrison. And we every time we go to Harrison County, it's been a tight game. Yeah. It's just they play up tough, and it's it's a a battle. I mean, and you said it best. They're huge, yeah. But our kids knew what we were getting into. You know, we set it up front. We watch film and say, "Look, this is this is what we got to do. This is how we're going to do it. And if we do it this way, we'll be fine." And they did a great job of, of executing the game plan. As you look ahead to the last three weeks, not not looking ahead past this week, because obviously that's a big game, but as you look at the schedule for the last three weeks, the traveling is over, which is great, but you still have a district rival on Friday, Bellevue after that, and then you go to Newport to play Newcath in the final week. You know, you know Stephen Lickert really well. You know his style well. Here's my question. What would you like? <laughs> yeah. What would you like to see from this bunch in the final three games that will help you come the postseason? Stay healthy. More yeah. than anything, mm-hmm. our, our number one goal is to stay healthy. And I think that's everybody's goal at this time of year. Beyond that, um, just continue the momentum. Continue to get better. We try to do the little things right day in and day out. And we just want to continue to, to get better at doing those little things. Um, 
it's definitely going to be <laughs> kind of awkward that last week of the season to look across the, the sideline and see my buddy. Yeah. We said that we cheer for each other every week except for that week. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's off. also an opportunity, that game, now that they have this RPI in New Cath yeah. is number three exactly. in 1A and you guys are six in 4A. It's an yeah. opportunity to really cement it up to – you know, maybe Absolutely. three home playoff games, depending on how you guys do in the playoffs, right? Yeah, so. and that's something that he and I talked about prior to scheduling the game. I told him, man, I'm never going to play unless it's a scrimmage. I'll scrimmage mm-hmm. you, I'm not going to play. Yeah. And then with all the COVID stuff, we all you know, ended up needing a game. I kind of, okay, all right, let's, we'll, we'll play. <laughs> if we get a tie and split the RPI points, that would be great, but I don't think we'll let us do that, so. Well, I know a guy that works down there at Newport. He could probably turn the lights out if it gets to be tied. <laughs> Coach, you are the best, man. Thank you so much for coming on here, man. Uh, wishing you luck. It, stay healthy. I would say I would say that I'm wishing you luck this week, but I don't know contractually if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you better not do that. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> You're the best, buddy. Thank you. Newport 21, Holy Cross 20 in a game that on paper was – Dominated by Holy Cross, a blocked extra point in the third quarter turned out to be the difference at Newport Stadium on Friday. Holy Cross dominated the number of plays, total offensive output, time of possession, rushing yards, first downs, and third down conversions. But without 11 penalties and four turnovers, who knows how this ends up. Newport did have five turnovers in the game as well, so that could go either way. But Ethan Jefferson threw for 236 yards and had two touchdown passes, as well as a rushing touchdown to help and leading the Wildcats to victory. Caleb Thompson had 83 receiving yards and a touchdown catch. Simon Keating had four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown catch. Nevin Pangallo caught two passes for 51 yards. Michael King had 46 receiving yards, and Alex Green caught two passes for 37 yards. Uh, Michael Martin added 38 yards on the ground for Newport. Simon Keating also picked up his second interception of the year. Jeremiah Hicks led the Indians with 146 rushing yards and ran for two touchdowns. LeVar Jones rushed for 82 yards and also had a touchdown. Javier Eisen was 11 of 17 for 115 yards. Brandon McLennan had six catches for 58 yards. Good to see him back. Jacob Laws added 41 receiving yards. Sean Northcutt had 10 tackles for Holy Cross. Jeremiah Hicks had seven and a half. And Luca Beager had four. It's funny because we talked about Brandon McClendon as the season started as the guy every time we looked for a Holy Cross mm-hmm. box score what, what did Brandon do and 10 touches 80 yards in this game that's a good number for him I, li- yeah. I like him having 10 touches because he also plays on the defensive side of the ball but with me now when I look at Holy Cross's box scores I'm starting to look for Jeremiah Hicks and see what he's doing because obviously they're going to ride him they gave him the ball 26 times in a very winnable game against Newport 146 yards two touchdowns also had nine tackles as tackle for loss a sack so Jeremiah Hicks is a kid making plays all over the field and for Holy Cross and I think we would both agree on this one this was a bit of a surprise that Newport got out of here with just a one-point win I think that's good on Holy Cross after winning week one five straight losses this is better this is better. It's more competitive. They're there with a chance to win a game. Uh, maybe it's surprising that Holy Cross kept it this close, but it's better for Coach Kazerski and, and Holy Cross to go out there and have a performance where they're in a game and a chance to win a game. But Newport does get the win. Three wins in a row now for Newport. And maybe for Newport, it's a bit of some uh, a teaching point. Mm-hmm. Coach could put on the film and say, hey, guys, look, we won the game, but hey, we got to clean it up. We got to play better. 
because uh, it's only going to get more difficult going forward because they still have Beachwood on the schedule. That's sure. always a tough one. So uh, Newport gets the win. Um, the turnovers, I'm sure, are something that, that's going to be talked about a lot this week because that can't happen as they get closer to the playoffs. We well, talk about kids being creatures of habit all the time. Um, and not that this is an excuse for anything, but Newport was on a fall break this week. You know, you get out of that day-to-day routine and you have the big game with Beachwood coming up the following week. So maybe it was a thing where the kids weren't completely focused. I'm sure, you know, we can't really answer that, but coaches could. But, I mean, it's certainly something that could have came into play. And freshman Lamar Jones is up to 433 rushing yards for the year for Holy Cross. They've got some players. They do. They do. And, and the future looks good. How old is Javier Eisen? He seems like I, a young guy. Know. I don't know. Yeah, so he's he's a guy that I'm seeing for the first time this year play, and he's he's putting up numbers, and obviously coaches trusting him to to take over this offense. So I, I think the future looks better for Holy Cross, and I think this was a step in the right direction to play competitive against Newport. Scott, 27, Boyd County, 26. The Eagles pick up their first win of the season in a must-win game to keep their playoff hopes alive. Gus Hallett, in his best game of the year, was 25-29 for 246 yards and threw three touchdown passes. Cameron Patterson had eight catches for 100 yards and also had two touchdown catches. Nolan Hunter had a touchdown catch for the Eagles. Benny Hill, speedster, ran the ball 15 times for 96 yards and had a huge 51-yard run. Zach Wire's two-point conversion put Scott up 27-20 to with 3.39 to play. Boyd County would answer with just over two minutes remaining, but their two-point conversion attempt failed due to a bad snap, and the Eagles hold on to victory, and it was celebration time in Taylor Mill. Riley Huff's mullet. Had eight catches for 69 yards on Friday, and Hill added 24 receiving yards. Scott's Sage Lally had 11 tackles and two sacks to lead the Eagles. Zach Shepard had 11. Griffin Henderson had eight. Zach Wire and Damon Hacker had seven. And Evan Omer had five, the best of the Omers. And when you talk about Evan Omer, he doesn't always stand out in the box score with as many tackles or mm-hmm. sacks as some of these other guys, but he is one of the main guys on that defense yeah. doing real man's work. Yeah. He's just a monster. Holding up space on that line. Really happy for Coach Turner and this posse. Also, not that I know football, because I don't. But And I'm not pretending to know anything more than anybody else, but I love the fact that they went back to handing the ball off again. You know, in the, what was it, four games? They played four games leading to that? Yeah. They had 12 rushing yards in four games leading into this game. And then going right back to it. So here we go. We get a win. Hopefully that's something positive there for them. You know, Benny Hill is just an explosive player and has speed unlike anybody else on the team. You know, his success sets up their passing game, and that's what they want to do. And Gus Hallett has shown each week that he can put up big numbers. Keep somebody honest, you know? Yeah, Scott had 109 yards rushing. That's a great number for them because we know that Gus is going to throw for Mm -hmm. 200-plus yards in his sleep almost every game. Uh, Another name that keeps showing up for me, and I know you know him well, Cameron Patterson. Yeah. Keeps having big games, you know, eight catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns in this game. I looked up his numbers. Through five games, he's got over 500 yards receiving and eight touchdowns. I mean, he's averaging more than a touchdown a game, almost up near two touchdowns a game. That is a weapon that uh, obviously Scott has has found the way to use. And uh, again, yeah, if they keep running the ball the way they do, that makes him even more dangerous going down the field, trying to get him maybe a little bit more single coverage because I'm sure teams are going to put two kids on him, especially looking down the field or if they're in the red zone. So maybe you can take some pressure off Cameron Patterson um, and maybe take some of the attention off him. He can put up even bigger numbers. And maybe that's part of the running game. Yeah, you're right. Keep somebody honest. Yeah, keep them honest. Walton 47, Shawnee 6. With this win, Walton wraps up their seventh straight regular season district title. Or like you say, Joe, ho-hum. Ho-hum. 
Trey Hatmaker was 5 of 7 for 113 yards and had touchdown passes to Colton Shulver, who finished with four catches for 90 yards and a 23-yarder to Trey Ferguson. Robert Streen rushed for 54 yards and a touchdown. Nolan Art ran for 52 yards and a touchdown. Chris Harward carried it twice for 45 yards and a touchdown. And Wiley Baker, that might be my favorite name, Wiley Baker. He also rushed for a touchdown. Sounds like a cartoon love character. That name. Wiley Baker. We say it every week because I'd like it. Yeah. Defensively, Brandon Gibson had four tackles and Carter Birch had three. Nolan Art recovered two fumbles for the Barths. Walton's defense allowed 63 yards of offense to Shawnee, 56 on the ground, and seven passing yards. Walton will now travel to London to play North Laurel prior to hosting Louisville Holy Cross in week eight. You said it quickly. I'm going to highlight it one more time. 63 yards of total offense. Walton Verona held Shawnee to. So you're seeing this defense now the last four games. These are the point totals. They've given up eight, six, eight, and six. In four games, they've given up 28 points. That's Walton Verona's formula. Also had 11 different players had at least one carry in this game. No player had more than six carries. So Coach Barth obviously wanted to share the ball on Friday night against Shawnee. So a lot of different guys coming in, getting their hands on the ball, making plays. 237 yards rushing and then holding a team to 63 total yards. That is Walton Verona's formula. Run the ball, stop you from scoring. And the AP poll, they're right near the top 10 they were number 11 in class 2a before this game i gotta think maybe they jump into that top yeah, 10 now i do too and kind of assert themselves as one of the top 10 teams in the state in their class the week seven matchups thursday night primetime bellevue at newport catholic i think my thing is newcast probably number one wanting to come out healthy for this final push because you say you still got you know beachwoods on the schedule coming up and they're still fighting for rpi actually i, I looked at the rpi so i i did the rpis yesterday and after that game last night, they are number three in the RPI. And there is an interesting layer to this game with Buddy Atkins, uh, you know, playing yeah, at Bellevue na- now at Newcastle. So that, that's kind of interesting that's to me. That's a good point. And, and to watch, again, the, the three-headed monster of Newcastle, of Runyon, Atkins, Herndon, yeah. those three continue to carry this team. Mm-hmm. And, again, one more game for Newcastle before the big showdown against Beachwood. So, yeah, you're right. Get them in, get them in there. Get them healthy. Get out of that and, and get ready for Beachwood. Connor will go to Covenant Catholic. I'll let you do this one, Joe. Yeah, you know, Connor, you know, a couple of weeks ago had, had shown themselves as a team that we thought uh, could step up and maybe maybe challenge in this game. Uh, they had the big setback against against Highlands, and they came back and beat Cooper. Uh, for, for, for me, Cuffcath here is, is the team that just – has you know, and I've said it all year long. I, you know, Cuffcath is obviously one of the one of the best teams in Northern Kentucky, maybe the best team in Northern Kentucky, and one of the better programs in the state. But were they state championship good? And that that's the standard at Cuffcath right now. You know, by making three straight state championship games, and they showed against Highlands to me they could win a state championship. And look, they've been ranked at the top of 5A all year long. So the people who watch football closely in Kentucky have been watching Cubcath and understand how good they are. It, it just took some time for us to see them and look different. Again, they're, they're a different identity this year. You know, Caleb's the guy there now. It's more of a ball control, more of a defensive team. And look, they always played great defense even during their state championship runs. They just weren't as explosive this year as they have been. Yeah. But it's working. And, and you know, they're putting up gaudy numbers now and starting to win games with running clocks like we've seen Cubcat do the last two or three years. So I think what you're seeing now is Cubcat go towards the end of the year a statement against Highlands. Now continue that going forward, getting them getting themselves set up for the playoffs, maybe to make another run of the state championship. Cupcats defense is playing really well. I mean, a shutout against mm-hmm. Highlands? Yeah. That's tough. Campbell County will go to Dixie Heights. 
A lot of eyes are going to be on this game. A lot of eyes are going to be on 6A in general. You know, Campbell County put up a valiant effort the other night. Simon Kitten pulls out the win. Dixie, talk about that wounded animal. Their pride's a little wounded after, you know, coming off of a couple really big wins, going out to Ryle and just getting yeah. smacked in the mouth. And that's the psychology of what we talked about with high school kids. Yeah. Like, you would, we didn't see this coming with, with Dixie. Is it because they played well and they, they thought too much of themselves Maybe. and they came out? Or is Ryle just starting to come together and find themselves? That too. That too. So who knows? And I think that's been the intriguing thing about 6A this year in Northern Kentucky is we don't know. We don't know from week to week what team's going to show up and assert themselves as the best team in 6A in Northern Kentucky. If Dixie's defense will play like they played against Simon Kitten, should be should be a win there for them. Logan Landers is playing really He's well. He's great. And Pierce Roman really got stuffed up with that big row offensive or defensive line last week. So, you know, they went away from the run game, which has been their bread and butter. And that's why you Because it happened. I mean, they just they, yeah. they were shutting out. I think There's you see a circle the wagons kind of week at Dixie a little bit. Get yeah. back to who we are somewhat. Pierce Roman, I think, might get the ball a whole lot in this he game. Might. He might I get told the ball his a lot. Dad, at the game before I left that not all losses are bad losses. And if this is the last loss that they have and it kind of reinvigorates yeah. this team, maybe it was a good loss. That's a great point. So as Cooper will go to Highlands. Um, interesting. You know, Highlands, I think Highlands will come out to play well. Cooper coming off of a win, I think they will play well. This has been a pretty good game since they joined the same class. Um, I don't know. I think interesting is the right word. It is interesting. It's, again, I don't know what to think about yeah, it. Yeah, no one knows what to think about this game because we've seen Cooper now win two of the last three, and their only loss was a seven-point loss. they're starting to put up numbers they offensively, are. too. They found whatever is that, that works with mm-hmm. Jeremiah Lee at quarterback because we saw the first few weeks it was a little bit of Jeremiah Lee out you know, playing receiver and then other people playing quarterback. And now that they've settled in on Jeremiah yeah. playing quarterback, and I think it's been good for them. I like the two quarterbacks. You know, that's kind of the game within the game here. You know, watching Jeremiah and Charlie, um, you know, different size, different shaped athletes, but both so effective in what they do. So I I hope it's a duel between Jeremiah and Charlie making big plays in this game. Runners. I I would like to see a lot of points and see a lot of plays made. But again, it's interesting because I'm not sure we really know what's going to happen in this game. Scott will go to Holmes. Holmes will try to sweep the district here. Scott needs a win. Just they do. Uh, this is the, we're once again talking about a potential three-way tie in a in a class. Uh, what is it, Jeremy? We've got Rowan, Harrison, and there's a potential for a three-way tie with Scott Harrison Scott County Harris, yes. and Boyd That's County. Right. Which in that case, one of those teams will not make the playoffs. It's interesting. It's the strangest district. I know we don't make predictions no. on this podcast, but I got a feeling this is going to be a really, really interesting game. That usually is. Because here comes Scott, high-powered offense, throw the ball all over the yard. Holmes, we've seen the last few weeks, Holmes is winning games with defense. And then they have the Callaways who make a lot of plays, and Cortez Hill is making a lot of plays. So I think you're going to see these contrasting styles. Here comes Scott with this air attack. Maybe found something with the run game sure. a little bit. And here's Holmes, who's on a winning streak right now, feeling good about themselves, that defense can play. I think this is going to be a really interesting game to see these two teams on the field. I got a feeling this is going to be one of the better games on Friday night. I hope you're right. Scott, the, the, the key for Scott will be the defense. Defense played well this week. Yep. If they play well down there, could have a... And play well enough. Fight. That's that's the yeah. thing. You know, playing well or playing well enough because we they know need to play Scott. Well. They need to play well. Okay, because Scott can typically put up numbers with that passing yes. game. So if they, the defense can give that offense a chance 
to make enough plays to win the game. I, I got a feeling it's going to be a fun one. Lloyd will go to Holy Cross. I think Lloyd will come back ready to play. I think Lloyd was going to come back. They're going to try to run the ball all over Holy Cross's defense. But then again, Holy Cross just come off of a nice offensive night. Real close to getting a win. Yeah, and, and they've gotten healthy. Yes. Brandon's back on the yes. field. Holy Cross has to be feeling good about the way they played against Newport. And and, and Lloyd, yeah, the wounded animal. The team started off well with a couple of wins, now a couple of losses. Um, you're, you're seeing two teams that are coming into this game with different psychology where Lloyd's like, oh, man, we really need this. Yes. Holy Cross, like, okay, yeah, we're starting to find something a little bit. So, uh, you know, you kind of see these two teams matched up against each other. It's another game that I'm just like, I, I, I really don't know. They're pickums. I, they are. And I think that's good. And here's another pickum. Dayton will go to Ludlow. How does Dayton respond? Mm-hmm. We know Ludlow. We know Braxton Newborn is going to run for you know two hundred yards. Thank it. Two hundred yards, three four, touchdowns. Yeah, three touchdowns. That's fine. Uh, you know, Coach Terps is going to you know smash his forehead against somebody's helmet, and it's going to get wild. I would really like to see the Devils bounce back from an emotional the two weeks. You know, Bellevue and then Newport Catholic. They got all these you know kids that they know. You know, going over Ludlow. Ludlow, we ready to play. And, and yeah, that's the thing. Ludlow's an entertaining team. They got a lot of playmakers. They put up a lot of points. And yep. here comes Dayton, one of the better stories and in Dayton's Northern Kentucky. Dayton's been banged up too, so they yeah. they need to be healthy going into this. And game. they got such a great story this year. Now five and one, and uh, a, a chance now at the end of the year to continue this special season. Um, I, I, this is another game that sets up as a lot of fun to see what happens on Friday. <laughs> does it does it bode well for Dayton that Newcastle was able to run the ball so effectively? In Ludlow, that's what they do. Yeah, I it, that. Look, and it doesn't matter. It, we've seen that with, with Braxton Newport. It doesn't matter That's how true. you scheme them, yeah, who you put on the field with them. He still gets yeah. his numbers. Yeah. And you wonder sometimes, and you know, you know, as basketball coaches, I'm sure you guys say, and, and the strategy is, oh, are we going to try to limit him, the star, and make everybody else beat us, or just let him get his and then shut everybody else down? And, I, you know, I, I'm always interested how coaches kind of approach that kind of strategy going it's into It's all the about game. matchups. And yeah. how do they approach it with this is going to be a first-round playoff game? So That's do it. you show your hand? But it's also for home field for a playoff game. Mm-hmm. But does home field matter as much exactly. in 2020? Right. You Who know? knows? So if I'm a coach, I'm not showing. <laughs> I'm running halfback die right up the feet, right up the middle the 30 back. times. But if you do that with Braxton Newborn, yeah. you just give him the ball right up the middle. Braxton Newborn's still going to get his numbers. Beachwood will go to Newport. Um, I, yeah, I think Beachwood will. Cam Hergert's on playing on another level. He's right? the real deal, man. Playing on a different level. It's for the one seed in the district it officially. Is. It is. Uh, Walton Verona will go to North Laurel. North Laurel lost by one here last year at Walton Verona. I, I don't know much about them. I saw that they were they had a couple wins. Yeah. So they're a 5A team, so obviously they're playing up in size here a little bit, kind of an up-and-down season, kind of an okay season. But for Walton Verona, it's that, and then it's undefeated Holy Cross out of Louisville, who we saw play against Holmes, and that'll be a fun game. So Walton Verona has a couple of games here that you you kind of circle a little bit, and this is Walton Verona. This is what they do. They schedule hard, then they roll through their district, and then they schedule hard again to get ready for the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, I always uh, a lot of respect for Jeff Barth and how he sets up his program to go play teams that are bigger. I mean, it's a five eighteen. Yes, right before the playoffs get going in a month. So um, we're going to see a little bit about Walton Verona here the next two weeks. You know, a team with four straight wins now uh, going against a team in five A, and then uh, one of the better teams in, in Class A. Bishop Rossert will go to Sayer. What do you think here, Joe? So, again, contrasting styles here, and, and this is really going to stress Bishop Rossard's defense because Sayer, with Chad Pennington as the head coach and his son as the quarterback, they throw the ball all over the place. But here's Brossard, who has limited three of the last four opponents to single digits defensively. 
Uh, you're going to see those contrasting styles. Can, can Light, Jacob Light, can Trevor Shadler keep the ball away, play keep away from Sayer in this game and just try to run the clock and try to mash up against him and, and keep away from that really explosive offense from Sayer. Two contrasting styles. We're still learning yes. about Sayer's program. Bishop Brossard, though, four straight wins, playing better football. Another interesting game on Friday night because I'm not sure how much these two programs know about each other, oh, but no. they're going to find out on Friday night when they lock up. And then the final game, Ryle will go to Simon Kenton. What do you think here, Joe? <laughs> it's the word of the day. Interesting. I Who knows? Uh, Ryle's coming on. They really are coming on with two straight wins against Campbell County and against Dixie and two convincing wins in both of those games. Um, and here's Simon Kenton right now, obviously with a great backfield who puts up a lot of numbers who you know stopped their losing streak with a win last week. This is one of those games that I find really interesting on Friday night just because, again, you know, I've been talking about it all year. I, I don't know who the best team in Northern Kentucky in 6A is. I really don't. It could be one of three teams. It could be Dixie. It could be Ryle. It could be Simon Kenton. We would hope these teams would figure it out and, you know, on the field and see who beats who, but you know, they're all kind of beating each other a little bit. Yeah. So they're kind of beating each other up, and I'm not sure we know even now even whoever wins this game, who the best team in 6A is. But right now, the hottest team certainly is Ryle. Absolutely. They're playing with a lot of confidence. And that makes a difference. Yeah. A huge difference, especially when you see a, a coach align himself with a quarterback and the identity of their offense right now. Boy, Braden Lyons is dangerous. He gets that ball, and he's got playmakers. And you talked about it all over the field. Options. Um, you know, shotgun, and he's, he's got options, and they're making plays. And right now, to me, they look really dangerous. And I think that's a cool story, you know, to see a team improve throughout the year from where they were earlier in the year. And I know Coach Angler, you guys might have talked about in your interview, you know, he talked about how he thinks his team could have an even better record than they have right now. You know, three wins, they could easily have four, maybe five Absolutely. wins this year. I mean, even the, they went to Scott County, and that was a four-quarter game with Scott County. So, you know, they probably should have won that. I know he Honestly, thinks they yeah, should have. Yeah. So Ryle right now, to me, feels like the hottest team in Northern Kentucky in 6A, but I still don't know if they're the best team in 6A, and maybe Friday night against Simon Kenton helps us decipher that. Final thought, Joe? Here we are with three weeks left, and we still don't know who some of the better teams are um, in Northern Kentucky. Look, I, I think we saw Cubcat take a step forward and really assert themselves and plant their yes. flag as we are not just the best team in Northern Kentucky. We're one of the best teams in the state. Uh, I think we've seen Beachwood and Newcast separate themselves a little bit here throughout the season. Uh, now that they're playing, you know, like schools, uh, you know, and you know, we, they always schedule so hard at the beginning of the year, but now they're starting to separate themselves a little bit. I, I'm wondering outside of those three, here's my takeaway. So we've got Beachwood. Beachwood, we've got Newcath, we've got Covcath, as we think are state contenders. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody else outside of those three in Northern Kentucky that we think can make a run for a state championship? I think it might be just those three. Possibly. Jeremy? We started to dive into this three-way tie scenario this morning, um, and it's very hard to decipher. Um, there's a lot of different things at play with this, but you got three districts, or three, uh, yes, three districts that have these three-way tie possibilities. 6A with Ryle, SK, Dixie. 5A, Cooper, Cove, or Cooper, Connor, and Highlands can still all jockey for 2-3-4. It's true. So you don't want to play Covcath. Cooper, you got to win this week, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and then in 4A, there's actually two different three-way tie scenarios that I just uh, found. We've already talked about the three-way possibility with Scott, Harrison, and Boyd where one team gets left out of the playoffs. There's also a scenario where there's Scott, Round, Boyd tied for the two-seed. Um, but all of that 
can be won on the field this week because Scott controls their own destiny. Ryle controls their own destiny. Highlands controls their own destiny. So we can put that to bed until we get these uh, matchups finished from next week and maybe we'll have a little bit more clarity on who's going where. I think clarity is the right word. It is. But for the, not just that, but for the <laughs> entire area of Northern Kentucky, do we really have clarity outside of just a couple of teams on who these teams really are? And I think that adds a, a little intrigue in the word interesting I keep coming back to. There, there's parity. There's a lot of parity in Northern Kentucky this year. There's, there's a few dominant teams, uh, the dominant programs we've seen for years, the Beachwoods, the Newcast, the Cuffcast. But outside of that, there's a ton of parody. And I think that's making for a fun season in Northern Kentucky. That's the Week 7 show, boys. I'm not going to have a final thought. I'm, I'm going out cold. We really appreciate you guys listening. Hey, tune in next week. Hey. <laughs>